So I am honored and blessed to get to pastor a church where God trusts us with the future. I mean, that is a really big deal. It's a big deal to me. And I hope you'd make see it as a big deal. Uh, God has done all of that predominantly in just the last several years. It's all new. And so we want to do... We want to do well what God has entrusted us, to, uh, entrusted us to do. We just want to do it well. And we want to make much of Jesus. That's our, our, our goal, our ambition, our drive in our own lives and in the lives of our future, those boys and girls and those students. And so you can help with that. And so God has blessed us. And sometimes we look back not to learn what we can do moving forward, but to learn what we, maybe we've done well. Maybe we didn't do well, and so the things that we've done well, we capitalize on it, try to expand that, and the things that maybe we crashed and burned on, we kind of shuffle that, shuffle, shuffle that to the side and don't do that anymore. And so we learn from the past, but uh, we're always looking toward the future, and we always are asking God, what do you want us to do next? And, and so th- that's the question for today. We see what God has done in the past. And we know with confidence what God is going to do with the future because he's already told us that in his word. And we're going to look at that today. So the question is, what can we do? Who, um, who do we need to become to posture ourselves and position ourselves before an almighty God so that he continues to do great things, miraculous, eternal things? So he continues to do that through us in the future. You see, sometimes people will say, oh, I hear about great things at your church. They may say that to you. They may say that to me. The truth is it's not our church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. You see, the church is not a building. The, the church is the body of Christ. The church is God's, it's got the representation of Jesus on this earth. And, and so we have to ask ourselves the question. We have to uh, uh, alter our life so that we do that well. You, if you're born again, you are the picture of Jesus to somebody. And some days it's an ugly picture. You ought to see some of y'all showing up at church on Sunday. Man, you need, to, you need to brighten that up, all right? Because Jesus is alive. And Jesus is alive through you in the church. And so moving forward, uh, we want to posture ourselves right where God wants us to be. We don't want to lag behind him. But we don't want to jump out in front of him, okay? We want to be right in the center of the circle where the blessings of God pour out. And, and, and we've been there, and we've experienced that. But we want more. We want God to use us in greater ways. I want God to impact your life in a greater way in this coming year than he ever has in the past. I want you to experience a new dimension of God in the future. I want you to know him more. I want you to represent him better. I want your, your life to be better. I want your family to be better. I want your neighborhood and your community and your school to be better, not because of you, but because of Jesus alive through you. And that's God's goal too. It's, it's not just the preacher's idea. It's what we learn in Scripture. And in fact, when we look at Scripture, we, we see all kinds of people that really didn't bring that much to the table that God chose to use. You see, God often uses the insignificant to accomplish the significant. God often uses the person who has very little to offer so that he can be made much of and he can shine through that person. And I truly believe that the time is now. I truly believe that the stakes are high. I, I, I don't watch the news anymore because I just, I'm tired of the rhetoric and the lies. 
I don't watch, listen to much of what comes out of Hollywood because it's just full of alternative ideas. It doesn't align with Scripture. And so often people will say, hey, did you hear about this event? I'm, no. You haven't heard? No, because I don't watch the news. And so far, it really hadn't hurt me too much. And so we got to be careful who we listen to. And so the question for today is, moving forward, who are the people that God will use? That's what we want to be. That's what I want this church to be, is a people that God uses. Now, when we look in the Bible, we find a lot of those people. But there's some really good ones that, we're gonna, that we can really dive into and investigate, and that's what we're going to look at today. T- t- today, we're going to go to a story that's found in both the Gospel of Mark and Luke. It's a story that if you were raised in church, you went to Bible school or Sunday school as a little boy or a little girl, you probably saw or heard this story, and it's an amazing story. And it paints a picture of the people that God will choose to use, and that's the title of the message, The People That God Uses. Now, some things just never change. They, 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 these ideas never expire in a culture and in a, a world where everything is shifting sand. Some things never change. And that's what we're going to see in this amazing story. I want you to look in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to dissect it a little bit and learn some of the characteristics of the people that God will use. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after some days when Jesus returned to Capernaum, the news spread that Jesus was at home. So many gathered, and there was no longer any room, not even by the door. And he preached the word to them. Some people came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. When they were not able to bring him in because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. Then after tearing it out, they lowered the stretcher the paralytic was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the experts in the law were sitting there turning these these things over in their minds. Why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. It goes on and says, who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, immediately when Jesus realized in his spirit that they were contemplating such thoughts, he said to them, why are you thinking such things in your heart? It goes on in verse 9, he says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, take your stretcher, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, stand up, take your stretcher, and go home. And immediately the man stood up, took his stretcher, and went out in front of them all. And they were all amazed and glorified. They glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, You say, well, that story is 2,000 years old, literally. And and is it a real story? It's a very real story. It's a very real story, very real uh, historic event when Jesus healed a man who was paralyzed. And and so what does that have to do with you? What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with our church? It has much. Because you see, God gives us stories to paint a picture of of things that he desires. And and in this particular case, he he describes the people that he chooses to use in amazing ways. You see, these people were just everyday, average, run-of-the-mill, cut-of-the-normal-cloth people that God wrote in history because they were willing to be used. And they were willing to put themselves in a place where God could use them. So you got to ask your question, yourself a question. God, could I be that person? Could I be a person that you would write me in your forever story? And the truth is, emphatically, yes. 
everything you do for God, everything you allow God to do through you, everything is written in eternity. And when you impact somebody's life for Jesus Christ, God records it, okay? You see, when we do what God tells us to do, commands us to do, when we are simply obedient to the will, the way, uh, the will and the way of God, when we're simply obedient to that, it changes the complexion of eternity. You see, destinies are altered, and maybe not in the moment, but over time. You see, you don't have to worry about the end results. All you have to worry about is obedience in the moment. They didn't know what the end result was going to be. They just found themselves and were willing to put themselves uh, in obedience to what God's call was in their life, and that was to care for somebody in need. So number one, the people that God uses are people who are intentional about Number one, conversational engagement. Conversational engagement on the back of your life guide. Now, what is that? What is that even talking about? Mark chapter two, verse one. Let's read it again. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that Jesus was in the house. I just like that verse. Jesus in the house, okay? That's just a good, that's a modern day Jesus in the house, you know? It was heard. Now, how was it heard? Oh, they all got a text message, man. Everybody just sent out a mass text. Nope, didn't have that one. No, maybe they sent an email. Nope, no emails, didn't have that one. Maybe they passed out glossy flyers, okay? Didn't have glossy flyers. Okay, uh, maybe they just called, the, didn't have call, nothing, they had nothing. It was heard. Why? Conversational engagement. They were talking about Jesus, just talking about Jesus. Listen, there's, there's weeks that go by where people who have placed their eternal destiny in the finished work of Jesus Christ and they never mention him during the week. I don't get that. Now, I'm a preacher. It's easy for me to talk about Jesus. I get Sunday, okay? It's easy for you to talk about Jesus. You should be talking about Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus. Everybody say, in the house. <laughs> there you go. See, it's that easy. This week, you should work. Somebody says something, hey, you have a Jesus in the house. They're going to say, What? What? I oh, I said Jesus in the house. What are you talking about? And the door is open. Okay? It's that easy. It's that easy. Now, here's the thing. It, it, it says that it was heard. It was heard. What a great expression. And, and so it needs to be heard in your world. Why? Why is this the time? Why is it important that you have conversational engagement about Jesus now? Because you got a whole woke joke arena throwing out their garbage you got a whole world deconstructing things that they know very little about you've got special interest groups waving their flags in protest to everything you and i and jesus stand for you've got a whole world out there of people embracing this this entitlement, entitlement ideology that everybody owes me something and I owe nothing to anybody else. And that's the world we live in. And meanwhile, the church goes into stealth mode, just hoping that maybe Jesus comes back and gets us soon, okay? Now, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with hoping that Jesus comes back and gets us soon. In fact, some of the last words in all the Bible says, even so, Lord, come quickly. We should be praying that Jesus comes back, and, and we're close to Jesus coming back, obviously closer than we were yesterday, okay? Closer than they were 2,000 years ago. Peter, Paul, the apostles, they were hoping and praying that Jesus, and, and believing that Jesus would come back in their lifetime. 
I believe Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. If you look at a timeline from creation till now, it sets itself up pointing to the fact, the very real possibility that Jesus could come back on any given day. No prophecies required to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back. The only thing left for Jesus to come back is God the Father to say, Jesus, go get your bride. And then it's over. But until he does, you and I need to grow up. And we need to stand up. And we don't need to shut up until we go up. Okay? We have a job to do. We have a voice to, 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 to use. We have conversations that need to be had those things that we think about, I would like to talk to them about church. I know and believe they're far from God. I know and believe they're not in church anywhere. I know and believe that if Jesus came back or their life was ended, I'm not comfortable with what their eternal destiny would look like. And we think about them and then we fail to talk about it. First Peter chapter three, verse 15 says, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. And always be ready to give an answer to anyone who speaks about the hope you possess. You see, as a Christian, your life should have hope. Hope is a, a Greek word, elpis, means a confident expectancy in God. That no matter what life looks like in the rest of the world, you can hold your head up and say, yeah, but I got God. Yeah, I know that it looks like the seams are coming out, the screws are coming loose, but I got Jesus in my life, and he's going to make everything right. There's a hope in you that people should ask you about. If nobody ever asks you, hey, how do you navigate through the garbage of this world with a smile on your face? If nobody ever asks you, you just don't seem like things get to you like it gets to everybody else. They're asking about the hope that's within you. And the answer is, I know God through Jesus, his son, and I know this world's nuts but it's been that way since chapter three of the whole Bible. When the wheels fell off, when sin came in and the world fell far and the world fell hard and everything's broken and that's the world we live in. Meanwhile, God is at work through Jesus restoring it all, okay? It changes the way we view everything. Now, to have a conversation, sometimes we don't have conversations because we don't have all the answers. I I'm gonna set you free. You don't have to have a theology degree to have a conversation about God. You don't have to worry about the answer to questions that are difficult. And I know what you think. Well, I'm not going to invite them. Because here's what, I, you, you play it out in your mind. You already got it all figured out. Meanwhile, God says, Did, can you show me in the scripture where I told you to do that part? No, I told you just to have a conversation. I told you to go ye therefore and make disciples. Okay, I, 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 that's my job. But you're just supposed to talk about it. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work. And you say, well, I, I, I just know if I say, I know this person. You know, they're high-minded. And I'm going to say, hey, man, would you like to go to church with me? You know, they're going to say, no, nah, I'm not into the church thing. But I'm glad you asked because I don't really get you guys. You guys go to church and you talk about this God who's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. Why do small children get diseases? Why do good people suffer and die? And, and, and you already, the very first question, most popular question, by the way, the very first popular, most popular question comes out and you're already set back on your heels. You're like, I don't know. Okay, that's why I didn't do this to start with. No, you got a very easy answer. Dude, I, I don't know those answers. I mean, I can tell you that, that all of that sickness and suffering is a product of sin, okay? But I don't know why some people suffer more than others. I don't know that. But I know that God is working it all out. And he's, he began in me. He saved me from my 
condition. And if I get sick and die tomorrow, I'm going to heaven. But I don't know all those answers. And here's the thing. You ready? They don't know the answers either. They ask you to answer questions they can't answer for themselves. That's kind of a double standard, don't you think? So turn it right around on them. I don't know. Tell me. They don't know. You see, just because you place your faith in God doesn't mean you have all the answers. It simply means you know the one who does. And that's where we place, uh, plant, plant our feet. And so we need to be vocal in our conversations with others. Romans 1.16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Here it is. I am not ashamed. I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but I got this answer to one question, that the gospel has the power of God to save somebody's eternal destiny. And all of that other stuff pales in comparison to this one thing that I know for sure, that there's a thing called the gospel, that God came to, to, from heaven to earth in the form of a person named Jesus who lived a perfect life, only to qualify him to die a perfect sacrificial death. But the grave couldn't hold him and death couldn't keep him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead and he lives forevermore in heaven right now. And he did that in my place, I know that. See, I don't, and it's okay. And it's okay. You don't have to have all, and even if they ask you the question that you don't know, and there's a lot of them, they ask you a question you don't know, you can say, I don't know, but I know about the gospel. And you just tell them, even if they didn't ask. You see, the door's open. They ask you a question, okay? Just turn it around. Just turn it around. Give them information that they didn't come looking for. So, so what is the number one reason that people come to church? The number one reason. Because somebody compelled them to come. Somebody invited them to come. If you are at this church today because somebody invited you, just raise your hand. It could be a long time ago. It could have been this week, okay? Yeah, biggest part of us it is still the number one reason you see there's a world out there a world out there trapped in the lies of the world simply waiting and wishing somebody would in, would care enough to invite them to church they're just waiting for you because you have a circle of influence that I don't have I don't know the people you know I don't ride around in the circle you ride with but you have that circle you have that influence. You say, I'm not very influential. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. People will listen to you more than you think they know because you listen to other people you shouldn't listen to because we listen and they want to hear this conversation. It needs to be heard that Jesus is in the house. Now, why don't we do that? You want to know why? I'm going to share the top 10 reasons. This is not one I made up. This is one came from a survey. The top 10 reasons that you don't invite people to church. You ready? Number one, I just didn't think about it. No, you didn't. Number two, I'm afraid I'll be rejected. We've already talked about that. Number three, I don't think they'll like the music. Well, that's fine. Most of y'all don't get here to the second half of it anyway. Right there, yeah, mm-hmm, right there. So bring them on. They're not gonna hear it. Right, Caleb? Next, the preaching isn't very good. Well, that's a lie. This is a good preaching. 
I'll amen myself. This is good preaching. But also with that, it says, and too demanding. Okay, fair. I'll own the second half. Okay? Next, we've got too many church problems right now, and I just don't want to expose them to our church. Our church is already too crowded. I've had people say that. Hey, uh, I invite them to church, and, and they say, how many people go to your church? And that matters why. Okay? I said, I don't know, maybe six, seven hundred. I don't know. Well, yeah, we really like a small church. Are you going to heaven? What does that look like? Every nation, every tribe, through all the ages, the born again, the redeemed. It's a big church. He's not going to have a place in heaven for a half a dozen of you all wearing the same shoes, combing your hair like, huddling up over there. So shut up. So, it's too crowded. We're going to talk about that today, too. It's okay. And nobody ever challenged me to invite anybody. Today, you can't say that. Next, I don't know how to start the conversation. We talked about that. It's not my job. Okay, whose job is it? And the last one, it's too far for people to drive. People will load up with four kids and drive to Orlando in a Honda Civic. And you think they're not going, they won't drive to church because it's too far? No. We listen to the lies that the enemy places in our hearts. And we speculate on the end result. And meanwhile, we just mums the word. We don't say a word. We need to get, we need to get out of that. Amen? Every single person in here needs to move out of that silent mode in a world that is screaming their positions and their agenda. And so... The world's out there just waiting. Now, I like this verse. You say, well, sounds like the preacher's just trying to get a bunch of people at church. <laughs> okay. And your point? This verse, Luke 14, 23, it's Jesus speaking, so we need to listen. It says, then the master, that's Jesus, said to the servant, that's us, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So you can accuse me of wanting a bunch of people at church. I'm hanging with a good crowd, Jesus. That's what he said to do. Now, here's what's interesting. Sometimes you read over things and you don't get the value of what they're trying to say. And so I read this word compel. It's just a, it's a cool word. You don't use it a lot, compel. Sounds a little heavy, right? I looked it up. You can look it up yourself. By definition, this is what compel means. To bring about something by force or pressure. That means you can tie them up and drag them in here. If they work for you, tell them you're going to fire them if they don't come to church on Sunday. Okay? Force them. Pressure them. Sneak up on them if you have to. Bribe them. Seriously. Bribe them. Say, listen, I want you to go to church with me so bad because Jesus is there. Okay? And Jesus' name's being made much of and lots of cool stuff's going on. I want you to go so bad that if you'll come with me, I'm going to buy your lunch. Okay? And, and then take them to lunch and buy their lunch. It, it, bribe them. It's okay. Compel them to come in. Conversational engagement. Now, it's a perfect time to do that, by the way. Because next week in the early service and the second service, our children's wing will be full staff. In other words, we have a, a preschool ministry and children's ministry that's running both. 
We have a brand new series in the book of Acts, which is amazing, all about the church, some st- crazy stuff going on we're going to be talking about for, for several, several weeks. School is back in session. Summer's over. It's a perfect time to invite your friends, and there's going to be plenty of room because some of y'all are going to start going to the early service. We already have some in there. We're going to, we're going to divide the load. It's going to be great, and there's going to be room for our friends, and so you and I need to be involved in conversational engagement number two the people that God uses are people who accept crowded encounters it's okay when we get real about Jesus it's going to get a little crowded it's going to get a little uncomfortable okay so in this passage in the second verse the first part it says immediately many gathered together immediately following what church chatter that's what people talking about Jesus in the house Immediately, people started gathering together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. That's cool. Sell out crowd. Sell out crowd. Now, if you went to work this week and said, hey, there's a big deal going on Sunday at my church. I just found out. Okay. And they say, I'm not really into church. You will be on this one. Okay. Why? Because Jesus is going to be in the house. Do what? Jesus is going to be there. Okay, even if they're not into church, they'd be interested in showing up to see a little Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you'd be an idiot not to say, I mean, I, okay, I'm going to go do that. I mean, if they said Elvis is going to be here next week. Yeah, we found him. He's working out to Waggles in Middle Tennessee. You know, he's still alive and, and, and you know, he's put on a few pounds, but he's still Elvis. He's going to be here. You know what? The, the people be showing up. They'd be showing up to see Elvis in the house, right? So, so, so it gets crowded when Jesus shows up. And so... Why? Because Jesus said it's going to get crowded when he shows up. He did? Yeah. In Matthew 16, 18, he says, "Uh, by the way, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's going to get crowded. I'm going to build this thing. We're not building it. All we are is being used by God, orchestrated by God, to do the work of God so Jesus can build his church. So what does that mean? Jesus is going to save people and radically change eternal destinies. Jesus said he's going to do that, and he's going to do it with us or with somebody else. But he's going to do it. I kind of like being in the game. I kind of like being on the front lines of something that changes people's lives. And Jesus is the one that does that. And he allows the church to be in the game with him. And when he does, people are going to show up. Now, what does that look like? Jesus in the house. Is Jesus literally coming up the next Sunday? Jesus literally came this Sunday. Jesus was literally here last Sunday. Jesus literally, if you're born again, went to your workplace this week with you. Jesus literally was in your car on the way to church this morning with your kids and probably used some cuss words, just saying. Because Jesus, you are Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. You are the body of Christ. You are part of, you are an ambassador. You are the one that show who Jesus is. And sometimes we don't do that very good. And I'm talking about me. Sometimes we don't do it very good. But that's who God chose to show Jesus to the world through is you. Did you know that? 
This is a really incredible thing. You see, God's goal for all of us is the same. He has predestined us to one thing, to conform to the image of Christ. That is Yahweh, the true and living God, the Father God, his goal for mankind, his predestined agenda for us is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are, we are the only Jesus that some people will ever see in our worlds. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about it. Paul kind of breaks this down. This is what he says. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so too is Christ. Odd. He says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For in fact, the body is not a single member, but many. Now, let me pause right there. That's why it's so important that you come to church. Because you're important. You're important to the kingdom of God. And you're important to the local church body. Because you are a part of the body. And when you miss, the body misses your part. It's a big deal. He goes on in verse 15. And he says, if the foot says, since I'm not a hand... I'm not part of the body. It does not lose its membership in the body just because of that. And if the ear says, since I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. He goes on, he says, if the whole body were an eye, what part would do the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what part would exercise the sense of smell? But as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he has decided if they were all the same member, where would the body be? Now, no matter what part of the body God has decided, that's what it says. I've never really noticed that. He decided what part you're supposed to be. And I don't know what part he decided for you to be, but I know this. God teaches me things, and sometimes they're painful because I don't learn very good sometimes. And I, Can anybody see this finger right here? That's not fingernail polish. Can, can you see it's black? Why? Because I smashed it like real good or real bad, depending on what you, how you describe it. Now, I did a little research. This spot on my fing finger is smaller than a dime. It's less than one half square inch of surface area. Less than one half square inch of surface area right there, okay? And my body is 3,500 square inches of surface area. Did you know that? Six foot one, muscular like I am. In fact, next time somebody says, How much, what do you weigh? I'm gonna say 3,500 square inches. You do the math. 3,500 square inches. So if I take less than a half inch of surface area and divide it by 3,500, you math teachers, it's almost zero, Jordan. Where are you at, Jordan? You're up there. It's almost zero. Okay, it's, it's a little bitty number. But I want you to know that when I smash that finger, this fingertip on just one side, this side's fine. On one side, it did not say, you know what? I'm part of the body, but it don't really matter that much. I'm insignificant. I look around, it's a big old body he's toting around, and I'm just one side of the tip of one finger. So I don't really matter that much to the body. It never had that conversation, by the way. Oh, no. Zero rose up. Zero rose up to the 3,400... 99 and a half, and said, hey, hey, 
And you know what my body did? My body said, it don't matter. I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about you. Look at you. You're one half, less than one half inch of surface area. I'm, I'm 3,500 square inches here. I'm not worried about you. No, it did not do that. My head was the first to respond. It went to the rescue. And when it did, my whole face contorted. And my tongue began to speak words that we don't use in church. No, it didn't. I had a witness. I did not cuss. But if you would have written them down, I'd have signed it. Okay? So my face went to the rescue. And then this hand, I don't know what it thought it was going to do. But it came to the rescue. It grabbed my finger. Grabbed my finger. And then my feet started doing that faith healing dance. Okay? Why? In that moment, zero rose up. And the body came to its rescue. I want you to know today, on this day, if you're born again, you're part of the forever body of Christ, the bride of Christ, okay? It just comes with the territory. And I don't know what part he decided you to be, but I'm telling you whatever part that is, it's vitally important to the whole body. And you need to engage that gift, that part of the body. You need to step into that. You need to own that. You need to let God use you for the purpose that he puts you here on this earth for, okay? He needs to use you. You are valuable. You are important. You are significant in the kingdom. And that's why it's important that you're here. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that the tournament is important on Sunday because you want your child to achieve all their goals and aspirations. I understand that we work hard and we need a vacation every now and then. I understand that we have hobbies and interests and people invite us to go do things to cause us to miss church on Sunday. I understand these things are valuable, but I'm telling you here today, it doesn't matter if you're the tip of the body's finger, you are important to the body of Christ You help the image of Jesus be complete so that when we invite our friends because Jesus is the house, he's he's here in his entirety. his His whole self is here because you're part of that image presented to the world. Hebrews 10, 25 says it this way, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another And so much the more as you see the day approaching, he says, you know what? The closer we get to the imminent return of Jesus back to this world to get his bride, we ought to be challenged, encouraged, committed to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday. Why? Because you're part of the body. And so God does things through his body. Now, the point here is that we're okay with crowds. We accept crowds because we're all going to be here. And it's good. It means somebody got your seat. Praise the Lord. They needed it more than me. I'll take somebody else's seat. That way we'll all be uncomfortable. We need to do that. We just one day I need to say, hey, everybody over here, go over there. If you're in the back, come on down the front. Or I'd really throw you a curveball. Let's pick up my table, take it to the back. Okay? We need to get uncomfortable because it's okay. It's godly sometimes. Okay? Maybe you serve in preschool. I'll throw Adam Irwin under the bus. I saw him last week. I said, did you keep kids today? He goes, no, next week. That's how he said, no, next week. Boy, he picked a good one. I bet he's got 20 in there. Okay, so pray for him. He may be suicidal by noon. You're okay when there's 15 people in your classroom. 
You're okay when somebody gets your seat. You're okay when you have to stand in line to check in your child. You're okay when you have to stand in line to get a cup of coffee or whatever they serve out there, okay? You're okay because you realize this is what it should look like when Jesus shows up at the house. And so we're supposed to show up and present Jesus to the world. Number three, the people that God uses accept challenging composition, exposition, challenging exposition. A 2B, it says that Jesus preached the word to them. I'm not going to spend much time here, but as you know, if you've been here, I usually preach expositionally uh, uh, expositional sermons, which means I go through books of the Bible. We'll start Acts next week, and I'll make you a I'll make you a, a certain promise. If you'll invite people to church, I'll preach this book. Okay, I'll preach this book every Sunday to challenge and to see life change. And at the end of it, it all every bit of this book, by the way, you know, points to Jesus. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh. This whole book is Jesus on paper. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this paper. All right, And at the end of every sermon, almost every sermon, I'll share a simple way that people can receive Jesus into their life. I'll share the gospel every time. And so if you're backwards about sharing the gospel with people, you bring them on. I'll tell them. I ain't scared. I'll tell them every week. And so people who are willing to be used by God place themselves under challenging exposition. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. People say, ah, you stepped all over my toes. The Holy Spirit stomped all over me from head to toe all week long before I ever got up here. So welcome to my world. Wear steel-toe shoes, okay? That's all I can say to you because we got to preach word, God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 tells us the power of this book. It says this, For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, you see, this, this is what changes our lives. It's the Word of God. That's why I try to saturate sermons with the Word of God because it, change, it divides stuff. It sets apart stuff. It, it clears its way through the clutter and gets to the point of the matter. Number four, the people that God uses are people who are committed to community effort. This is so good. Community effort, verses three and four. Then they came bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. They cared. This little community group of his, they cared. And let me tell you something about your world. They do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. See, if you're not gonna invite them to church and tell them about Jesus, you don't care for them. And they don't care in knowing what you know until they know that you care. These men cared. It doesn't say that these, was, these, these people were close. It doesn't say that the paralyzed guy sent them a text. Hey, boys, I heard Jesus is in the house. You guys mind swinging by and grabbing meat? For all we know, the guys are on the way to see Jesus. Saw a guy on a bed. He could use some Jesus. Didn't even, doesn't even say they asked him. They went and grabbed a handle. And now if that's not uncomfortable enough, they get to the house and can't get in. Meanwhile, here's the guy on the stretcher. He's been shaking all the way down the road. And now we're dragging him up on the roof. You see, a community of people who care don't stop when the going gets tough. A community of people who care 
dive in when things are difficult and uncomfortable and different. They come alongside, they lift up, they encourage, and they take this, the people in their circle, in their community, in their group, they, they're always trying to corral us and, and move us closer to Jesus. That's what a community does. That's what a group does. And you gotta applaud, applaud their faith. I mean, they never stopped. Huh, can't get to him, one of them. What about the roof? I don't know anything about roofs. Yeah, I worked for a roofer once. I think I can get those off. Anybody got a ladder? Okay, yeah, let's go. And so they dug through and they delivered this man to Jesus in his time of need. That's what a community does. That's what a real group in life does. They take you to where Jesus is when it matters the most. And so people used their community effort. And so I want to let you know you need to be in a group. Our church is growing. I think I said it earlier, or said it in early service. In the last nine years, <clears throat> we've grown at 20% per year average for nine years straight. So it went from 50 to over 600. And our resources, our revenue has grown 30% per year from $75,000 a year to $1.3 million, which is incredible because most of y'all don't give. God just sends it. He just sends it in the mail. We get checks in the mail. Don't even know these people, okay? Because God's doing something. He takes care of it, all right? And, and, and so as we grow larger, it's incredibly important that we grow smaller. You say, well, how's that dichotomy work? It works like this. We come together inside these four walls for corporate worship, to encourage, to exhort, to edify, to lift up, to speak Jesus, and to be challenged. But then we get in groups. We get in circles. It used to be called Sunday school. Now it's called group, which is kind of weird because if you would have told me 10 years ago, I think you should go to group. It means you should go tell them, my name is Joel, I'm an alcoholic, you know, or whatever. That's what groups sound like. But it's not that, it's community. It's these four guys coming along somebody in need, grabbing up the stretcher and taking him closer to Jesus. And everybody in here needs to be in a group. Everybody in here. You say, well, that's weird. I don't really want to be in a group. I didn't say you, you should want to be in a group yet. I'm saying you need to be in a group. You need to have a circle because here's why. Because the world is going to deal you a mess at some point. And you can either deal with that mess all by yourself or you can have these four guys who are willing to come alongside you and grab up your stretcher and take you closer to Jesus for that moment. You say, well, how do I get in a group? It's the easiest it's ever been. When you leave today, there's a great big sign out there. It's orange, you can't miss it, okay? It says, it says groups on it. You can go there and we have people who will help you know more about groups. Kendra, my wife and I, we teach a group meets on Sunday evenings. It's young married with no children, or in one case, they just had their first child last night, okay? It's young married. Some of them not married yet. I'm marrying them, okay, in some cases. <laughs> Here's one. They're not married yet, okay? They're, they're in there, okay? And if you're a young married with no kids, you're welcome to come too. 
We meet next Sunday night. We start all over again next Sunday night. We'll feed you, you know, and have a good time. What time do we meet? Five? Six. Five. <laughs> See? That's why I have people in my group. They come alongside and give me a brain. And so, so you need to be in a group. And if we don't have a group for you, we'll start a group for you. And listen to me. Some of you are already in a group, and you got stingy with your group. Okay? You're hoarding up your little group. You need to multiply your group. Some of y'all need to look at a couple of couples and say, what? We need to start another group. This is ridiculous. There's people out there that need some people to carry their pallet to Jesus. Okay? And you need to start a group. And so you have an opportunity because in this group, in this group, God uses people in your circle so that we're always headed in the right direction. And if we get a little bit out of line, our group comes alongside to help us get closer to Jesus. Listen to me. If you'll join a group, listen. If you will join a group, you will not be disappointed that you did. I'll guarantee you, one day in heaven, we see Mr. Paralyzed Man skipping around heaven. He wasn't disappointed in his group. Amen? And you won't be disappointed in your group. And if you are, come see me. We'll find you another group. I'll investigate the group that you don't like, see what they're doing wrong. Number five, and we're done, confident expectation. The people God uses expect things from God. This is cool. We're supposed to pray with faith. We're supposed to pray, hopefully, confident expectancy in God. We don't cast our will on God. We just pray what we think we need to pray and then let God do what God wants to do. And we don't get sideways or discouraged when the package shows up looking a little different than what we prayed for. And we don't get discouraged when God's blessing and his answer to our prayer doesn't show up on the day that our little Amazon package tracker said it was going to show up, okay? We live in a world where we used to expect it right when we want it. Meanwhile, God says, I'm, you, I'm not that God. I love you. I'm God. I'm going to do great things. I hear your prayers. I tilt my ears, and, and I am attentive to your prayers. But I'm, I'm orchestrating a universe here. <laughs> Give me a break. Confident expectation, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw the faith of the community and this guy, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 11. I say, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. Immediately he arose, took his bed, went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God. Listen. That's why God does what he does is so he can get the glory. All we do is expect God to do great things because he's a great God and that is not wrong. And when God shows up and shows off, we give him glory. Just like these boys and girls that showed up up here today. We give God glory for that. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews 11. We're done. We're done. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him without faith. So we move forward in faith. The people that God uses, they have expectation of God. We have faith in God. We have much to have faith in. God demonstrates his glory and his goodness all of the time. God is at work in our church. And we give him praise and glory for all that he's done. And listen, 
I right now I'm going to give him praise and glory for what he's going to do next for the next year because he's not finished because he's going to build his church and we're doing we're trying to do more of what he wants us to do and less of what he doesn't moving forward than we ever did in the past and God will bless that and so you can look around I'm going to tell you this next year it's going to look different every Sunday we see new people and it's just what God's doing and I thank him for it and you have an opportunity to be right in the middle of the handiwork of God that's a good place to be I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes I want you to know that on this day you are part of something bigger than you know you are part of the body of Christ. You're part of the bride of Christ. You're part of God's kingdom agenda. It's pretty big stuff. But I want you to know that there's some in here that you may hear that, but you wonder if you're truly part. It's one way to be a part of it, to be born again. If you've never been born again spiritually, then you're not part of the bride or the body or God's forever family. And so it is on this day, maybe the Holy Spirit is inviting you into that family. And you feel something different inside, like, I am not part of that, but I want to be. How do you do that? It's not rocket science. You say, God, I want you to save me. I want Jesus to rescue me and forgive me. I give my brokenness to you in the great exchange for the perfect life of Jesus. I want what Jesus did on a cross. I want his resurrection. I want the whole gospel package to come into my life. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me and to use me. I give myself to you, God, from this day for all of eternity. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me on this day. For most of us, we may have already made that decision. So what do we do? We say, God, help me know what part you've decided for me to be in your body. And I want to do it well. And I'll give you the glory in how you use me. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these people. I thank you so much for our little boys and girls. I thank you for our middle school and high school students and our college students. And as we prayed before, God, I pray you'll protect them, keep them safe, have a, a bless their families, bless their schools, their classrooms, bless their leaders, just bless their world. Let their world be a light in a dark world. And God, for us as a church, help us take a new stand fully devoted to what you've called us to be in this world and we'll, we will give you praise, we'll give you glory, we'll give you all of the credit because apart from you we got nothing but because of you we have everything and we pray it in Jesus name Amen We hope that God spoke to you through this message If you enjoyed the message be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.